Here we go. Good morning, everybody. Wasn't that so cool? Uh, like Lisa said, that's a great problem to have. Yes. If a student says they want more church, I say we give them more church. So yes, like Lisa said, if you fill out prompting, if you think, oh, maybe I could lend my home uh, for a Wednesday night, you can come talk to me right afterwards too. Um, we'll, we want to help you get plugged in. Uh, we know specifically we need some host homes for a couple of dates in February and one in March. So please, please consider that. And one of my favorite parts of that announcement was when uh, Noah uh, gave the authenticity that they don't listen through that entire thing until the last line. But I know it's different for you guys with my sermons. <laughs> you listen the entire time, right? Uh, uh, we've been in this series called Incarnational, and it's really great that it's flowing out of this student ministry announcement. It's the idea of what does it mean to be on mission, a missional church, where we're both on mission in our church community, but wherever we go. And we talked about the first week that this is not just a highway mission. This is a mission of God that he started in the beginning. And last week we talked about this reality that being on mission means like being uh, a neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself, not just in theory, but your neighbors like your actual neighbors across the street, right in front of you. And this week, uh, I want to start our sermon with a conversation about batteries, as one does in a sermon. Uh, I mentioned before that we bought a pop-up camper in the pandemic, and there's a lot I didn't understand about joining the RV community, uh, but one of them was the maintenance of batteries. It's sort of like an art form, which sounds crazy. Uh, it's super important because your battery is what takes your camper from tent camping to glamping. Uh, it powers things like the water pump. It powers things like the lights and the heater. And if the heater doesn't work, my wife gets cold. If my wife gets cold, we don't go camping. <laughs> and there's this ancient philosophy that applies in a lot of situations. Happy wife, happy life. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thank, <laughs> thanks be to God. Uh, one morning, we're about to embark on a camping trip. And everybody's excited. We're going to the Redwoods. We're going to do s'mores. And before we leave, I need to pop up the camper. I need to put some stuff in there. And so I go to flip the switch which electronically lifts the camper, and it's powered by the battery. And when I go to flip the switch, nothing happens. So I flip the switch again, nothing happens. Flip it, flip it, flip it, nothing happens. And I realize the horrible reality, the battery is dead. I've exhausted it completely. I've depleted it. So much so, it's, it's beyond the point of recharging. And a battery, of course, this is meant to produce. This is meant to provide for our needs to keep my wife warm in a camping trip. Uh, but a battery cannot do what it was meant to do if it's been depleted or exhausted. Depleted or exhausted. Anybody walking into this room this morning that would say, I'm a little depleted or exhausted. Uh, here's the reality for our community. Being missional means giving of oneself and serving. And this can be exhausting. Uh, here's, the, here's the reality. Being missional 
can be exhausting, depleting. There are 1.8 million uh, nonprofit organizations in the country right now. And according to one study I read this week, about half, about half of those nonprofit workers will deal, deal with or are currently dealing with some form of burnout. And I know that stat's true because I read it on the internet. And the internet's always true. Uh, churches, of course, are a nonprofit. According to a 2021 study, 38% of U.S. pastors had considered quitting their ministry job uh, because of depletion and exhaustion. And maybe you don't work for a church or a nonprofit, but this is the danger of being a missional church. I know many of you are giving your time to others here in the church community, uh, or you serve meals to an RV parking lot or at the Buena Vista food pantry. I already mentioned this, but I met with our student ministries volunteers this week on Zoom, and they're doing a lot. A lot of you are serving and doing a lot. And the danger for all of us is if we use up our energy, uh, if we become depleted, or exhausted, we, use, we lose the ability to serve and be missional, to serve others. One day we flip the switch and we realize there's, there's nothing left. We got nothing left. So today we're going to talk about an aspect of being on mission that's rarely talked about. Uh, yes, we are called to go, we're called to do, but is that all? What if this call to go and do was not meant to come from a place of unhealth or burden, but out of an overflow, out of an excess. The question to, to guide us as we have this discussion is this question I've been thinking about what a lot. What makes serving for the church different than serving at a nonprofit? As followers of Jesus, should being on mission and serving others look different than it does to our world and our culture? So we're going to look at a portion of scripture together uh, to get a glimpse of this vision of mission that goes beyond doing and going. So last week, we looked at this legendary story, the Good Samaritan story that Jesus told about loving our neighbors. Today, we're going to look at another legendary story. And here's the deal. It's fascinating and it's really important. Uh, I never caught this through the majority of my life. This story comes directly after the Good Samaritan story. And they're meant to be coupled together. Uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 10, Jesus talks about the greatest commandment in two parts. First, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind, your soul and your strength. And then he said, second is also like it, loving your neighbor as yourself. And then Luke writes these two stories back to back. And the first one we looked at last week, it was about loving your neighbor. And then we get to this, this next story today. We're going to look at Luke 10, uh, verse 38. So let's read this together. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. A quick pause there. A lot of times in this story, Martha is given a really bad rep. Uh, but it's important to understand that Jesus and his disciples were journeying and traveling and they needed homes to stay in. Martha was providing hospitality. She was doing really good work. She was serving others. This would have been the typical role of a woman in this culture. She was doing great things. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened 
to what he was saying. And sitting and listening uh, would have been a, a way to paint a picture of an apprentice or a disciple. It's not just sitting and listening, but it's, it's uh, wanting to become like the rabbi. And this would have been typically a man's role. We'll talk about this a little more uh, next week. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Again, great task, really good task. But she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. So what do we see here? What do we see? This is a vision of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is someone who follows in the dust of their rabbi, trying to learn and soak in everything they can uh, in the hopes of being like them. And again, next week we'll talk about this reality that's interesting uh, that uh, Luke points out that this was a woman sitting here when it should have been a man. What makes a disciple of Jesus different than serving at a nonprofit? We see here in this story that a disciple of Jesus goes beyond just doing things, goes beyond serving. It requires sitting in the presence of Jesus and listening, soaking, being filled with wisdom and peace and goodness. This is one of my favorite things about Jesus, uh, but it's also one of the most difficult uh, it's, it's a paradox. We talked about this last month. A paradox is two seemingly contrasting things that are actually both true. The kingdom of Jesus is, is paradoxical. Uh, to gain your life, you must lose your life. The first in the kingdom of Jesus will be the last. Jesus was fully God, but he was fully human. It's not either or. It's both and. and. And this is hard for us. This is hard. We want concrete. It's either that or this. It's easier. It's simpler. But here we see another example of the both and. These stories back to back give us a vision of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To go and do, but also to sit and listen. Go, but sit. Uh, do, but listen, and we talked about this in my first sermon series here. What makes us different as a church in our culture is we are a house of prayer. Like we actually believe the spirit of Jesus can speak and move, can heal and be a balm for our pain. We believe in the power of Jesus as a supernatural reality. It goes beyond our physical needs. It's, we believe it's possible to have inner peace that passes understanding. Like if we don't do this part, we're not really a gathering of disciples of Jesus. But we're also a house of action and justice. We don't just sit and pray like monks, never leaving the church. We are sent to serve and give. It's both. It's both. Usually in a series about being on mission, you, you wouldn't necessarily talk about this concept, but, but I felt compelled to add this week in because of the dangers that I see in our church and in our world of depletion and exhaustion and burnout all around us. 
So uh, back to the battery here. And I know some of you are like, I came here to hear about Jesus. Well, it's both and. You can learn about batteries too. Uh, Here's what I learned about battery maintenance. It took me a while to learn this. What I had been doing when we first got the camper is I would charge the battery fully right before we left for a trip, and then I'd completely exhaust it. What I, what I learned, though, is the best way to take care of these batteries is you need something like this. This is uh, called a trickle charger, okay? And so basically, this uh, will make the charge happen in a slow way. So you don't want to just fill it up and then use it, but you want to constantly be trickly, uh, trickle charging this battery. And so we haven't uh, camped in six months, but every couple of weeks I'll come plug this thing in and I'll just charge the battery a little bit at a time to make sure it's healthy. So it's ready to go when we need it to go. And the spiritual implications of this are are so powerful when I was thinking about it. Uh, Because often what we will do is we will come to church for an hour and we sort of spiritually fill up and charge and then we go the rest of our week without sitting in the presence of God. Or we'll we'll do a retreat or a getaway or more practically we'll, we'll plan a big vacation and then we just, we hope, we just hope that the charge from this burst will last. But then we go to flip the switch. And eventually there's, there's nothing there. Uh, the author Stephen Covey gives this illustration uh, that I've remembered for many years. This illustration of a goose that produces golden eggs. And, uh, once again, the, these drawings are always trademarked. So if you use them, I will sue you. Okay. Uh, a farmer realizes this miracle of, of what the goose is producing. It's producing these golden eggs. So he's getting wealthy. Uh, But over time, he becomes greedy and impatient. And in an effort to get more eggs quickly, he kills the goose to get the eggs that are inside. Of course, losing the ability for more eggs down the road. Some of you guys felt really bad for this imaginary goose that we're coming up with. And this fable has stuck with me in all areas of my life because the eggs are what he calls and what we could call production. This is the desired result But the goose could be called the production uh, capacity, capability. In our culture, we often focus on the results. Am I right? We focus uh, on what is done, what is produced. Uh, We focus on the doing and the doing, usually with good intentions. But if we neglect the goose, our ability to produce, we lose the ability for production. This is simple. I get it. You and I know this reality, but it's so hard to apply. And remember, physically, if we're going to produce, be energetic, live relatively pain-free, what do we need to do? We need to put time into rest and exercise, good eating. This is the production capacity. But we often neglect it out of rush and busyness. Uh, Mentally, We want to be calm and unburdened. We know this requires stillness and journaling and talking about our issues and rest, uh, but we neglect it. We all know this, but it's hard. It's the same with with spiritual things as well. We, We want Highway to be a community that loves deeply and serves radically. We want to be a collection of disciples that people are drawn to, but this requires taking the time to sit in the presence of Jesus daily 
continual time, not just doing it in one burst, but being with him constantly, allowing him to transform us. One of my favorite uh, theologians, Dallas Willard, uh, once said, what's become one of my life mantras, if you stay around highway for a while, I promise you'll hear me say this again. Uh, But he once said, the most important thing God wants out of your life is not what you do, but who you become. It's not what you do, but it's who you become. And some of us just need to soak in that phrase for a while. Maybe it was your family of origin or the culture you grew up in. But many of us have a voice that is constantly telling us it's all about what we do. Our value is about producing and the results that I achieve. But this is about the grace of Jesus. It's not just about doing and doing. It's about inner transformation. That brings us back to our word for this series, incarnational. Being on mission is not just doing good things, it's, it's being, it's becoming like Jesus. This definition we've been working with uh, is this, sent by God to leave the comforts of our lives, to go into every space, every person, to embody Jesus. Embodying Jesus, not just what we do, but everything we are, our thoughts, our intentions, our words, This is what spiritual transformation is about, what being a disciple is all about. But this just doesn't happen through willing it to happen. It requires what Mary did, like sitting and being with Jesus, walking so close to him that you can get covered with the dust of his sandals. We don't just connect with him once a week, get a burst of charge in the morning, We connect with him on our commute. We meet with him. After an email, we sit and pause with him while we're walking our kids to school. We take these moments to connect with him and allow him to pour into us. And then, then everywhere we go becomes our mission field. We serve and we love out of an overflow and an abundance. Now, I want to get really super practical before we hear another story from uh, someone in our community. Uh, Sitting in the presence of Jesus, allowing him to transform us, uh, it requires us to uh, have intention and planning. Uh, I'm sure for many of us, one of the biggest barriers in this room is that uh, we do not have enough time. Uh, Being too busy, work, kids, volunteering, making meals, it's always a lot. Uh, if we don't schedule something, it, it won't happen. Uh, so one way to break, break this down is like in bite-sized chunks to schedule a daily time with Jesus, a weekly time, and then a monthly time. Uh, so daily, is there any space in your day where you could have like five to 30 minutes with Jesus? Maybe your commute, a lunch break, Uh, Or if not that long, you could break it up into two separate times throughout the day. I I have two alarms that go off each day, just reminding me to take a moment to pause and listen. And I know a a lot of you know these kind of tools, but I wanted to throw out a couple of tools in case you didn't. Uh, I want to recommend uh, sacredspace.com is something I'll use. Uh, There's an app, Pray As You Go. Uh, and, And there are many like this. I know some of you use different ones, but these are two that I use. 
and actually sacred space this Wednesday, uh, I was feeling the stress of needing to plan this sermon, and we had a lot go on at our church this week. There were so many tasks of ministry I needed to do, but it was my time to sit and be and pray with Jesus, and I was just thinking, I don't have enough time. I've got to write this sermon about the importance of sitting and being with Jesus. It was so ironic. So I got myself to do it. I sat down and on Wednesday, I was reading through these prayers. And this is what the prayer said on sacred space. It says, you are always there waiting for me. Grant that I may be still more often. That I may always desire to spend time in your presence. To know your peace. To know your love. In that moment, I felt the full irony Uh, The cliche, in my hurry to do and to serve, I can easily forget to actually practice what I preach. It was a beautiful moment of just being. So, So there's daily, but then weekly. Is there a time in your week where you can get away for maybe an hour or two hours? And I know that's hard for some of your family demands, but maybe you could couple it with a hike or going to the park and maybe try no headphones or screens and just enter into a period of, of solitude and stillness. And then finally, monthly, is there a way that once a month you can spend a longer portion? Again, some of you, this might be too hard, uh, but two hours to a half a day that you can put in your calendar uh, that you're going to spend like journaling with Jesus, dreaming, examining your life with him. And there's no legalism here. There's no metrics that Jesus is, is counting to decide who's a good Christian, who's not. But these are moments of charging and filling. If we want to be a missional church and if we want to serve our community, this is vital. It's not just going and doing, but it's also sitting and listening and filling ourselves with his presence. So now we're going to hear uh, from someone uh, in our community that I think is just a great example of how we can do this in our lives. So I'm going to welcome up uh, Ken. Can we give it up for Ken, everybody? And Ken is also running slides this morning, so this is sort of double duty, you know. So if Jesus was taking metrics, he'd be giving you a lot of good points this morning, just saying. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. Thank you, church. Uh, briefly, uh, tell us your name, how you got involved at Highway. So my name is Ken Goodan. I'm married to Vivian, sitting over there somewhere. And uh, we have been members of the Palo Alto Church of Christ for a long, long time. And when Palo Alto Church of Christ merged with the Highway community in Palo Alto, uh, then that, that's when I joined uh, Highway. So it was about 2015. So depending on how you count, it's eight to nine years. Sweet. Cool. So uh, one of the things I loved about your story when I heard it was sort of the intentionality that you had and how you assessed like how your life was and what was going on and then how you intentionally uh, sort of reworked your your life. And so I'd love for you to just tell everybody about your process. Hey, thanks, Adam. Um, so I have been an electrical engineer all my career and designing some really cool products. Ask me about it sometimes. A lot of fun stories there. Uh, and always, as hopefully many of you have been thinking all the time, well, what will it look like when I'm finally done? When it's time to quit? What does retirement look like? And always thinking about it, but never doing anything about it. 
And so my, my last job uh, took me to Amazon where I was designing all the, a, a lot of the Amazon Alexa devices. Alexa, what time is it? It's just time. So <laughs> I, I was one of the electrical designers and leaders of those projects for a long time. And I really especially loved working in China because when we were at the factory in China, there was just a whole team of people, a lot of resources, everyone dedicated to solving those problems. We had some seriously hard problems. And it was just, it's just such a great feeling when you can solve a hard problem, make, make the product better for the customer. Uh, the other good thing about being in China was that everyone in, in America was asleep at the same time, so I didn't have to deal with any of the uh, management meetings. And so things went on, and, and the, the ratios were changing, and I found myself being kind of in China less and being in America more and going to more and more management meetings, and it was just draining the life from me. And so I started praying to God, and I said, God, what am I going to do? How can I deal with this? Can I, should I put up with this? Should I go to another job? Well, I've, I've worked at Apple. I've worked at other places here. It's kind of all the same. And, and so the, the grass is just not greener if, if things are that way. And so it's more a matter of something else to do. And I, I felt God nudging me. He says, it's time to retire. I got your back. And so I went to my wife, Vivian, and I said, hey, I think it's time. I think it's time to retire. And she said, but you want to retire. How do you know that God is telling you this when you want to do it so much yourself? And so, yeah, good point. So I went back and I started praying some more and uh, came and, and the, the message was still clear. God said, yes, it's time to retire. Uh, we've got, we, you've got this and there's more things for you to do. So I did and I quit. And, uh, and then at that time, my days went from like 15, per, here's engineer speak, 15% fulfilling. I don't know how you measure, but that's what it feels like <laughs> to, uh, to pretty much every day is a blessing. I just love waking up every, every morning. And so now what does that look like? And so I went to God in prayer again about that. And how does this retirement look for me? And for me, it worked out to, to split it into thirds. And so a third of it is spending time on me, uh, help, help you for myself, having a little bit of fun for myself. Uh, so I do my exercising and my prayer time that you were hmm. just talking about during that time. Uh, also, uh, a third of it is giving back to Vivian and the home because... Um, because of the demands of the work, we fell into the regular roles where she took care of everything at home and I just tried to stay alive at work. And, and so I wanted to give back to her, do the shopping, do the cooking, do everything I can at home to help her out and really reduce her time. And the final third is giving back to the community. Uh, because I've been living in this community. Someone else has been doing the community-like things for three decades or more. For me, it's time for my turn to give back to the community. So what does this look like? And I've embarked on a number of different things. One of the first things I'm doing for the community is a program called Friendspeak, which is an English conversation program with somebody overseas internationally. And we use the Bible as a text, uh, as the text that we're reading together. Ideally, they're a non-Christian. And so it's kind of a really good opportunity to share the Bible with somebody. So I, I I, uh, I talk with Levy in Brazil once a week. And then another thing, there's a program called Music Link. I do play an instrument. And, and so I, I, I gave my name to Music Link. And they have paired me up with a girl in Los Angeles, a seventh grader in Los Angeles. I teach clarinet lessons with her once a week over Zoom. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Uh, I'm also, I've been, I've been playing in community bands for all my life. I'm in the Cupertino Symphonic Band. And every time they ask for people to join the board of directors, I'm ducking my head. No, I can't do this. <laughs> And, and uh, so this time I put up my hand, and sure enough, you get elected. The first time you put your hand up, you get, you get selected. And uh, so I'm on the board of directors for the Cupertino Symphonic Band, trying to help them coordinate their concerts and make sure all the logistics are taken care of. And uh, also, even here at church, you've got to help out in a church community. So I'm, I'm co 
co-working co with the uh, small group that we're in part of here, uh, community here, as well as running the slides when I can and doing it. Maybe you've seen me in the food line sometimes, slopping down some mashed potatoes on your plates. I do the best I can here. Uh, for some bigger things, I am also volunteering every Thursday at City Team Men's Recovery Ministry in San Jose. This is a ministry, they have 60 beds, where men addicted to alcohol and drugs are, are taught about Jesus Christ and uh, are, are taught how to uh, break their addictions, and then they, they live, they, they are transformed in their life. It's so exciting to be there and watch these men come in, shaky and nervous, and anyways, at, at when they finally graduate from the program with a job and a faith in Jesus, uh, you get to be there and be a, a part of that. That's fun. Another thing I do is every Tuesdays, Every, every Tuesday in Terminal B at SJC Airport, I'm in the information desk. Some of you have seen me there. And so uh, travelers are so stressed, and, and this is a way to give them peace and calm and say, here's how you can take care of your issue. So I'm in the info desk at uh, SJC. And then uh, very, uh, next week, I'll be starting a training class uh, with the Santa Clara County Registrar of Voters to be a lead poll worker. So I'll be the lead election worker for the polls for the uh, primary and the general elections this year. Just get in the middle of all the chaos. Why why not? And have a little bit of fun at that. So that's what a little bit of those transitions have looked like. So a few things. I do stuff too, you know. <laughs> uh, so obviously we just thought you are doing a lot and it's so cool. I loved hearing about them, but just, you know, based on our sermon, what do you do? You shared a little bit, but how do you care for your soul making sure you're not overreaching, overstretching, and you're still uh, meeting with Jesus, getting filled up. So um, I will confess that Adam sent me these questions ahead of time to start yeah. thinking about it. And I was just amazed as I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm doing slides this morning. And so I'm looking at Adam, Adam's sermon here and all the words he said, I had already kind of written to answer yeah. this question. And so I won't repeat that. But I, it's very important to get that recharge time. You can go uh, too much. And, and uh, yeah, you need the recharge time. So for those who know me, I'm half Finn. And uh, so I built a sauna in my backyard. And just every day of the week, just about, I go take a sauna, and that is an intense prayer time for me. Uh, I've, I, the church is welcome. Let me know. I can introduce you to authentic Finnish sauna in my backyard. Uh, but it's a, it's a prayer time, and it's, the, it's my daily time for recharge. I don't give that time up. So that's part of my one-third of my time. Um, it's also very important. Uh, every night, uh, Vivian and I will read the Bible together. We'll pray together. We'll go on a walk together. And even just walking, spending time, you have to recharge your time with God, recharge your time for yourself, recharge your time with your significant other. Critically important. I find that so healthy to do. And so in that walk, uh, that's what we do. We spend that time together. And sometimes I just find myself telling, I got this problem. I got to work this thing out. And she doesn't even say anything. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the answer. I knew it all the time. But just being there with your significant other is a way to work that out. So we go on those walks. We do those prayers. I take those saunas. And so I, as, as Adam was saying, my thing I was going to say was take 10 minutes. Figure out a way to carve out some time. And if you can't find a way, my, my encouragement is going to be to talk to someone you know, love, and trust and find that way. Uh, maybe they can help you uh, figure out a way to find that time. That's great. Can we thank Ken, everybody? That's great. You know, part of what we've been trying to do each week is just give us all some some ideas to imagine how we can serve in the church and in our community. Next week, we're going to hear a little more about uh, the Buena Vista Food Pantry that some of us uh, serve at. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Uh, right now, we're going to enter into our time of communion. And uh, as we've been talking about today, this concept of exhaustion and depletion, uh, we remember as we go to the table, this is, uh, this is our God that says, uh, ye who are weary and burdened, come. This is Jesus offering his life, his abundant life. And so as you go to take communion, uh, remember that this is what he wants from us in all spaces of our lives to commune with him. Let me pray for us and then we'll take communion together. Jesus, as we enter this time, would you be so real, uh, so present with us that we can sense it, that we can feel it. Remind us of what you have done for us, the way you have given yourself, become flesh and blood for the world, and teach us to do that as well. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.